Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome everybody who's watching online or listening by podcast later this week. Uh, we're so thankful for good weather this weekend, right? We had our first uh, food pantry harvesters drop yesterday, and so it's so great to have great weather for that. Thanks for everybody who served with that to help make that happen. Filled up a parking lot with uh, people that we could uh, bless and serve. Also to funeral yesterday morning. We've got our prayer service tonight and it's just an honor to be a part of a church uh, who truly cares about people and cares about other people. It's just an honor to be a part of it. We're doing this series at the beginning of the year that's helping us break free from strongholds. A stronghold is anything that won't let you go. You keep dealing with it. It keeps showing up. It always begins though with a lie from the enemy and that's how we set up the premise of this series the first weekend of the year. It's breaking free from those lies, how to identify them, set up kind of the theology of all that, and replacing the lie with the truth. So uh, then we started looking at specific strongholds that have gripped our lives. This week uh, we're talking about sexual strongholds. We've talked about addiction. We've talked about finances. And this is one of those areas where we are under a lot of pressure. You see the rise of it in just the distortion of it in our media and it's distorting people's lives and anything outside of God's will for something is going to work against us. It, it harms us so much so that the Bible even says there will be a, a generation right before the return of Christ that is increasingly, like they increasingly struggle with this. They're increasingly sexually promiscuous. And Jesus said that the last days are going to be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And the only thing unique about those days is the, the people were living these lives, just the I don't care life of I'm going to do what, what I want to do, especially in the area of sex. And Jesus says, when you see that rising, lift up your head, we're getting closer and so the church has got to talk about it. If I know some people would say, man, that message that, that doesn't belong in church, or we don't, shouldn't say, that, say these things at church or talk about it at church, but I mean, if the church doesn't talk about it, we can't rescue a generation, and the world has answers if we don't. Like, friend, is the world willing to talk about it? Yes, all the time, boldly. And so we believe that, and if we believe the lie of the world, then we can't know the truth of God, And I want to start off just with this one thought for you today. We need to understand that each of us is, is living in a fallen world. And each one of us is involved in that fallenness. Like we've contributed to it. And we all need to be free. And we've all fallen in this area and we need to break free in Jesus' name. And I say that to say this. This is not a pointed finger message today. This is not, message is not pointed at one specific group or one specific thought or one specific kind of person or a specific age group. God is calling all of us, you and me, to examine our lives and our, align our lives with him. Because let me just remind you, before, before we start this, God created 
sex. God created sexuality. We think sometimes God turns away or doesn't have an opinion or embarrassed by it or something like, you know, he saw like the first encounter in the Garden of Eden and was just shocked of like, oh my, like, oh my God, what is happening here? Like, didn't think that was going to happen. No, like God is pro this. In fact, honestly, if I were to just read all the Bible verses that have to talk about this, uh, I like I my face would turn red up here like you would you'd say I didn't know that was in there I've got a Bible in my kid's room I need to go get that out of there and and we've got to embrace the fact that God has life-giving things to say about each part of our life and we're in a battle for our mind for our view for our worldview there's a, a battle over truth and lies in this area we've all been effective we need affected we just need to take a moment and let God's word influence us. And we'll start here in Romans 1, where God says that there will, in fact, be a generation, uh, Romans 1, 25, who they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. And, and worship him, that doesn't mean they just wouldn't sing to him. It's not just singing. Worship is a posture toward God that says, I bow, you're above me. You're right, I'm wrong. I'm following you, not following me. And there are some who say, well, like I want to go to heaven, but I never intended on following God here. But that's what Christianity is, is when we bow to him and say, not my will be done, but your will be done, Lord. But they wouldn't do that or even give him thanks. And they began to, they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. That's going on in society, even in some churches. We're, re, we're redefining God's standard to fit how we want to live our lives or how a family member wants to live their life. But the Bible says that it always leads you to a dark place. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And it causes what, what I will call the hollowing out of the soul. That you feel like your soul is just hollowed out by the, the distortion of the world, the abuse of the world. You don't feel whole and you feel confused sexually. And you try to dig into your experiences and then claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. As a result, they did degrading things with each other's bodies. And they traded, and then here's the premise of this whole series, they traded the truth about God for a lie. And that's what I want to do today is expose the lies. And here are some of the lies you need to look out for. Lies that the, the world, the devil, are telling in this area. And the first is this. The first lie is that sex is an animalistic action. And the lie is that you should respond to all of your feelings because your feelings are who you are. But the truth is you're not who you feel to be. Your feelings do not define who you are. You are who God says you are. You are made in the image of God. If I followed my feelings, friend, I would not be your pastor. No, I have to constantly subject my feelings and my desires to the Spirit of God, right? My life's not, I don't want to be feeling driven. I want to be purpose driven. I want to be God driven. Not an, you're not feelings based, you're not an animal. Like they even call the sex talk the birds and the bees. Like they couldn't help it and neither could you. So just be safe. But that's not our message. We're not just following urges like animals. I have several close friends who love to hunt. And they're, they're really, really good at it. 
And I remember one time a friend was telling me about how smart deer are, how smart turkey are, like for how far away a turkey can just even see your eye blink and how, how you got to, when you go turkey hunting, you've got to, you know, be in, in the edge of that field and just stand so perfectly still and they come in and maybe if they fan out and guard their eyes, then you can move and hold so still again and this is why I'm not a good hunter. Like, I've gone out in the stand with some guys before. They're like, would you stop fidgeting? Like, stop talking. Like, just freeze, right? And, uh, and they, he was saying, you know, and deer, they're just so smart. They're always looking. They'll stay on the edge of a field, and those bucks will come in, and they'll look, and they'll go down to get something to eat and come right back up, and they're always looking. And he says, uh, a buck knows that you're there long before you know they are there. And he said, deer are very smart and guarded animals. And I said, well, if they're so smart and guarded, then how is it you have five hanging up in your living room and I've hit two with my car, right? <laughs> like, what's going on there? And he said, well, uh, deer season is during rut. And during rut, the does go into heat and they let a scent out in the air that man, the buck's heads aren't up, they're down, and they're looking, and they're, they're, they're uh, focused on other things, and they're going out, and they're looking, where's she at, where's she at, where's she at, bam, he's on my wall, that's where he's at, like he was looking for love in all the wrong places, and <laughs> here's the moral of that story, it's like you and I don't have to follow and just be only captivated by our feelings, if you do that, like you end up on the wall, you, you're we can live lives of victory, not, on, not a trophy on Satan's wall. And you, I'll say this as humbly, but as unequivocally as I can. You are not an animal who evolved. You are a human being made by God. And so sex is special, unique for humanity. Here's the second lie. That is that sex is a recreational activity. But God wanted there to be a union beyond the physical. He wanted there to be a union of the soul. That's why the first mention of marriage, the marriage bond between a man and a woman, was that the two became one flesh. It wasn't talking about the physical. It was talking about the soul. It's much bigger, much more beautiful than just an activity. It's, it's more than just a physical thing. It's spiritual. And we all know that. That's why breakups hurt so bad. That's why when, uh, when sex is abused... It, it's so traumatic and it's not like it's not just a physical thing that heals it's we know it's more than that and the third lie is this is sex is an the lie is sex is an isolated event like that it can be just kept within the context of that moment like I could click on that and click it off no part of you stays with it part of it comes with you and the world has a marketing plan to tell us this lie what is it whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas like it's just an isolated thing but no whatever happens it goes into your marriage it goes into your parenting it goes with you in your life and it hollows out the soul and we all need healing from this because we're all prone to wander and if we don't get the healing it and we and we believe these lies it begins to destroy the part that God was trying to make meaningful in our life that's why on the screen, not in your notes, but just this statement, is that real love is a commitment to a person, not a feeling. That's why anytime you engage in sexual activity, 
that dishonors marriage or leaves a person out, which that's what pornography does. It says, I've got to have this, so I'll get it on my own. And you remove the thing that God created and it begins to destroy the intimacy there in other way. That's the enemy's goal. The enemy wants to drag you away from what God created, drag you away from your creator, disconnect you from the one that is supposed to be meaningful, the other person that is supposed to be meaningful with. So your, your intimacy, intimacy with the other person's disconnected and your intimacy with God is disconnected. Let me show you this in 1 Corinthians. You know, we've been kind of rooted in there in this series. And what's happened is they have written the Apostle Paul. And they've asked him questions, partly about sexuality. And he's writing back, or has written back, to be very, very clear of what God's will is regarding sexuality, among many other things. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, say these four words out loud with me. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now in these verses, uh, we see many kinds of sins and many categories of sinners, but we see three specific kinds of sexual sins. And so we don't be deceived, they're elevated, put on the same plane as these other sins. We see three categories of sexual sinners. The first is the sexually immoral, and it refers to just general sexual immorality of all types. The Greek word there is where we we get the word pornography. The original word is porneia, and so we have a very specific thing that comes to mind when we hear that word, but, excuse me, but it's all types of sexual immorality that fit into that that thing. Anything outside of one man, one woman in marriage. Another category he gives is adulterers. That's men and women who engage in sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage. And then the third category is those who, those who practice homosexuality. And then he lists all these, all these categories of sinners and says in verse 11, and that is what some of you were but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God aren't you thankful for verse 11 somebody right praise God in fact we'll come but we're gonna come back to this verse before we close today and so then Paul uh, he quotes so they would have written to them and asked and he quotes them and says Uh, I have a right to do anything, you say. And they were trying to justify their sin. Hey, I'm not under the law, or Scripture doesn't exactly prohibit the exact thing that I'm doing. So Paul counters and says, well, not everything is beneficial. And then they would say, well, I have the right to do anything. He says, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, And God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. So he's pointing out here that, like, do not be deceived. God cares about your body. 
God cares what you do with your body, what you put into your body. God cares about your body. And he says our bodies, no, our bodies were not made for sex. They have that capability. God created it. And God is a proponent of it. But that's not ultimately why they were made. They were made for the Lord. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? What? Yes, to be a Christian means that your body has been joined to Christ in life and in death. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. And this word in the Greek here, this word unite, uh, is, is the word glue or fused. Like it's unite, like fused together. And he says, don't, don't do that because you're fusing yourself to someone else. It's, it's more than you thought it was. Do you not know, verse 16, that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? And the reason he's highlighting prostitution here is because that the city that Corinth, that the church of Corinth was in, had a pagan temple there with a love goddess, and the temple employed prostitutes, and it was it was actually part of the worship ritual. And Paul is saying Christians are to have no part in it. No part in sexual immorality, even if it's popular in culture, even if these people are saying it's right, or that, that, that we are to have no part in it. For it is said, and he quotes Genesis, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Like it is spiritual. So what do we do? Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. He's saying this one is is important. He's saying this one is different. And people say often, well, sin is sin and all sin is equal. Let me clarify. All sin is equal in that it all separates us from God, yes. Any sin leaves us fallen from God. But that does not change the fact that different sins have different consequences and affect us differently. And he's saying this one is big because of the amount sins against their own body, the amount that it hurts you and hurts others. Verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And so if you're a Christian, Jesus purchased your freedom with his blood. And we freely receive that when we wanted to go to heaven instead of hell. Will we receive it by following him daily to say we are his, therefore honor God with your bodies? I want to give you today four simple things from these letters to the, to the Corinthians that will help us. How do I honor God with my body? How do I break a sexual stronghold in my life? And so follow with, thank God there's another side to your outline, right? Thank God that this continues. So write these in with me. What do I do? Number one, I make a commitment to God's way. Just settle it. You don't have to feel it. You choose it. You don't have to feel it. You choose it. Choose to live life by your convictions, 
not your feelings or emotions. That's what Christians do. We have certain convictions and we live life by our convictions. Our conviction is that God created us. We're not an accident. Therefore, God has a way for me, a plan for me. It may not be natural or easy to me, but God has a will for me. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. And I'm showing you what God's word says today. And if you reject it, like Paul's saying, if you reject me, you're rejecting God. And, and what I'll say to you is that if you reject this, You don't leave just saying, well, I've just rejected Ryland or my parents or the church. No, this isn't stuff we thought up. You reject the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, listen to me now. But that means also the inverse is true. This is powerful. That if you receive it, if you believe it, if you make a commitment to God's way, that means you didn't receive something that was man-made You didn't receive something that someone just thought up. You received God himself. You received the power, the peace, the healing that comes, that can only come from God. I'll show you this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Be separate from the world's way, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That you'll experience God at a level that you never dreamed. When you make a commitment to his way, it's powerful, it's full, it's real. So make a commitment to his way. The book of Genesis shows us God's way, how he creates. Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And that doesn't mean that you look like him physically it's that you have this unique thing that nothing else in creation has that you've been given a spirit in the image of God you're created male and female he created them and the world is influencing they are pushing back on this they are lying about this and they're coming up with words and ideas like orientation and fluidity and preference about our gender and preferential pronouns and all these things that are man-made. They're not God-made. And and to say that sex is just a social construct, and the sex that you were assigned with at birth is simply a social construct, is the same thing as to say that human nature itself is a social construct. And I am not making light of the fact that there are those who um, hear me right now who genuinely believe that about themselves, and I am not here to ridicule you. But I do want you to see clearly that such statements are contrary to God, they're contrary to Scripture, and they're contrary to nature. The basic biological fact is this. God created the whole human race. Every member of the human race is either male or female. God is the one who created sexuality and marriage. And he has the right to prescribe how it's to be viewed and how it's to be enjoyed. And it's to be enjoyed in the covenant relationship between one man and one woman. 
Here's how I like to say it. If you're taking notes, when it comes to this topic, but really anything, let the one who designed it define it. Like we are people under the lordship of Jesus Christ. If he has designed something, let's let him lead us to that place. Let's follow him there. Let's not uh, labor in vain. Let's let the Lord build our lives and our relationships and make a commitment to God's way. Secondly, I must so make a commitment to God's way and then I must manage my mind. Not on the screen, but in your notes, I put our theme verse for this series. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I've lived long enough now to learn that not every thought I have is worth thinking. <laughs> Amen, somebody? Not everything that pops into my mind is worth thinking about. Like sometimes I'm just shocked and appalled at the things that will pop into my mind that I'll think about. And I've got to take captive of that thought and say, I've got to think about this rightly. The things that God tells us not to do, not to dwell on, they are not to steal our joy or to steal something that might be helpful to us. It's not like there's this area over here that's really powerful and helpful and will really help our lives succeed and God says, no way I'm letting you have that. No, he's trying to save us from moral, relational, spiritual disasters and direct us into something that is not dangerous, that is fulfilling. And when we see God's warning in Scripture, we can see them the same way that we see red flags. On, have you ever visited the beach and saw red flags on the beach that day? The people who put their, those signs up, those flags up, are not communicating, hey, it's a really great, beautiful day at the beach, and we didn't want you to enjoy it. We didn't want you to come ruin it. No, they're putting flags up to say, the water's dangerous. There are riptides in the water that you don't know anything about and don't know where they are. And if you get in them, they'll drag you away. And the flags save your life. God created sex. He knows best how we should think about it, but we must manage our mind. We are in the onslaught. The average age that someone has seen a pornographic image for the first time is between age 10 and 11. The porn industry's revenue is greater than the National Football League. It's actually greater than the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, and the NHL combined. And now we're subscribed to streaming services, cable packages that are under no rating requirement. We're so close to things all the time that hollow out our soul. And when you get to your kids, uh, you've just got to tell them, you know what, I felt like you might struggle with this. Like, tell, tell them, I know you're sinning. I remember one time when I, I was a kid and um, I'd failed, not in something with this, but it's just a different thing and I was being punished and I remember standing in the laundry room with my mom and I said, uh, are you like disappointed that, that this happened? And uh, she said, like looking back, it's, it's so funny now, she said, are you asking me if I'm shocked that you're a sinner? <laughs> Like, I knew I'd be raising a sinner. Like, that's not a shock to me. And we've got to remember, like, man, we're married to, we're raising sinners. And you just got to say, you know, I knew you'd be a sinner, but don't downplay it either. Say, this is not good. We're going to get this out of our lives and help them through the struggle because you and I know the struggle is real. And it's every person's battle in some way. 
And so we manage the mind. Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp to the body. If the eye is good, the rest of it's good. If the eye is bad, the rest has no hope. So we manage our mind. There's a third thing we can do, and that is maintain healthy relationships. Relationships are the key to this whole thing. Who you listen to, you start to believe. And they'll influence you. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I want, I want to talk about this actually from the positive side for a moment. This is where the encouragement to have people who encourage you in good ways is that who upholds you to good things. Have protective allies. I'm so thankful for my friends. Like I've learned that there are just some temptations you don't even have to fight. When you have friends who invite you to good things, who encourage you in good ways. Like this week, my friends invited me to help them move, go out to dinner, play board games, like just fun things to work on a project. And you don't have to constantly be facing invitations to a club or a bar or to watch this or do this. Like be a good friend to others and make good friends. And have, have someone in your life, have someone in your life of the same sex, who you can be honest with about the struggle. That's what I love about our small groups. We're starting groups soon. We're a church of small groups. We'll begin those in February. And I love it not just for the curriculum, but for the allies. And we've taught that a lot. I'll have more to share. But let me get to the fourth one here. Because if you, if you really want to break free, we're not just being delivered from something. God delivers us to something and when you receive God's purpose and meaning it overcomes strongholds that's why so many so many in our church who have grown the most are those who have stepped up to say you know what I'll serve I can help somebody else they've said you know what I'll lead a small group I can lead a step study I can lead some students some kids I can help out in this area because what's the principle if you really want to break free number four magnify God's plan for your life God's message is not simply, don't do this, stay away from that, don't do this, don't watch that, don't do this. No, he gives us so much to live for, to where our strongholds can become just distractions. The best way to solve your problems is to get something bigger, God, to live for. To say, you know what, I can't think about that today, I got people to help, (laughs) You know what? I can't focus on this today. I got needs to meet. I can't dwell on this today. No, I can't go there and do that because I got to go here and do this to say, you know what? These people mean so much to me. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, with promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. And in that good, with promises like this, like promises like what? The promises of salvation from sin. Here's the truth we must never forget. Sin is any transgression of the law of God. God determines what's right. He is what's, he's revealed what's right and good and true. And it's because we are sinners that we have broken God's commandments, that we need to be saved. Saved from God's judgment against sin. 
We need to be saved against the condemnation that results in violating his commandments. That's precisely why Jesus came. He came to keep the whole law for his people. He earned righteousness on our behalf by living a perfect life. Then he endured the punishment that our sin deserves when he suffered on the cross, paying for our sin. And he did that so that anyone and everyone who will turn from sin and trust in him will be forgiven and granted righteousness in God's sight and be reconciled to their creator. The salvation that Jesus gives is a salvation from sin. He breaks the power of sin and breaks us free. He invites us to turn from sin and to live. There's a verse I wanted us to come back to in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you'd scroll back up to it or flip back over to it, don't miss verse 11. It gives a message of hope to the sexually immoral. He says, and that is what some of you were. Your history doesn't determine your destiny. Were. All those things are true in our history, but they don't have to be true in our future. Paul is writing to those who've come out of those lifestyles and saying, that's what, you, that's what you were, but not anymore. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Are there sweeter words in Scripture that these unrighteous people are the only candidates for God's grace? That's the nature of grace. Grace is bestowing favor on people who deserve God's wrath. Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Luke 5, Jesus says this, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. These are the people Jesus saves. So listen now. No one who has ever been good and always been righteous, can get into heaven. No one. You know why? Because other than Jesus, no such person has ever existed. We all fall short of the glory of God. And when Paul, I I just close with this, I love this. When Paul went to Corinth, he went to typical Corinthian sinners, and they turned to Christ and were saved, and Paul built the church on them. And that is exactly what's happened here. We are thrilled to be saved and part of his church because we don't deserve it. God came to us. Jesus saved us and united us together. So turn to him today. Turn to the way, the truth, and the life. Repent. Turn around and God's arms will be open to you. Would you pray with me, please? God, we ask you to do for us what you did for those Corinthians. We know you delight in giving grace, so we turn to you and fall into your grace. And God, we humbly today make a commitment to your way. Help us as we navigate this world in these times. We thank you that the word you've given us is right and true, and it leads us to healing. It leads us to peace. It leads us to a full life. And God, we know that Some will say, well, the cross is foolishness. The way is foolishness. God's word is foolishness. But we have found it to be the very power of God. And we thank you for it. And we want to offer your truth and your grace to anyone and everyone with the assurance that all who turn from sin 
and turn to Jesus and believe in the cross, the resurrection, his perfect life, that they will be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.